Fade, check Fade, check Fade. We six, we here, baby. Yeah. Gang. Hang on, now we in the deepest hell. Switches and Drake. Yeah. Today, y'all already know what Trev. We got STL legend, college football analyst, state champion. I'm gonna just throw him in the NFL Hall of Fame already, Coach Carl Reed. Huh? <laughs> No. Oh man, forget that. We got industry ranking. CBS Columbia Broadcasting System. 247 College Football Analyst. Carl Reed. I feel yeah. like I feel like uh you just introduced Steve Harvey. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna make sure we ain't miss nothing. Sure. That's a long introduction. Hey, so y'all know we're gonna dig into our usual topics and then we're gonna we're gonna dig more into who Coach Reed is, because it's a this a myth. I always thought. And who is dog? Like, bro, I see hey. all these pictures. He be with Nick Saban. He with Coach Pro. He with Dan. You gonna end up naming dude. every coach in the league if you do that. I mean, in college. So look, fellas, you know I got a question. I always start off with a question. Trev, I'm gonna let you answer this question because this is your golden child. What's going on with the Panthers, buddy? Mm. Hey man, the film is out. The film is Which out. You, the jig is up. You told me Sam Donald was the truth. The film out on everybody. Are you blaming film yeah, after, after seven? Are you serious? Hey, first of all, that's a starter. That's an NFL starter. Two, CMC is out because running backs matter. Because what do we do, Carl? We run the run. You got to run the run. Okay, thank you very much. So <laughs> didn't miss a beat. Yeah, they didn't. They're not effectively running the rock right now. Yeah, Sam, missing, Sam, is, Sam is missing throws. Yeah, I'll, he talking about it. Let's get, let's lock Sam, in. Sam is missing. Let's lock throws. in, Trev. Hey man, I Matt Rule said he needed the spark, so they put they put PJ Walker in there, and he gave them the spark that they needed on offense. With that being said, number fourteen will be out there on that field starting again next week. NFL starter Sammy D. Well, what more y'all want to talk about? You know, I'll let you take a win. I'll talk to you about Michael Pittman. You want to do that? You want to talk about he balling or what? Oh, you talking about you talking about number eleven who catches the ball at the highest point? You yes, about him. Where he, he makes he Carson West. I think where he, he went to Oregon. He went to Oregon. Right? No, no, man, no. Nah. UCLA. Nah, he went to he went to wide receiver. U U U U USC. That's where he went. That's where he went. That's like how he stacks guys. That's why he separates dudes. Oh, that was USC. Over the receiver, he you? catch the ball. USC is hey. wide receiver. You. Hey man, as of, as of today, we not finna sit. We not finna argue and discuss. It's just wide receiver you. No, actually we are, Trev. Go ahead and go ahead, Trev. Make your case. Yeah. Hey man. Check the resume, man. Who 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 what who makes a wide receiver you? I'm curious. God's getting developed, man. We put him I in. I wish y'all could see his face right now. We get dudes in the league. Carl, we not finna do this. <laughs> Wait, why not though? Why not, Trev? Why can't we have this discussion? Hey Jared, you've been there too long. Y'all should see well. his face, right? <laughs> and he is stuck. He is stuck, no, Trey. No, I'm not stuck. I'm not stuck. I'm just saying we've been there too long. No, don't play this game. Hey, Carl. Carl, look at me. No, no. You said why receiver you? I just asked the question. That's it. Good bit. I know. Good business, baby boy. We put him in there. Next question. I, I guess you you actually will have a case the way uh, Mr. London is putting up them numbers. But Thank speaking you, of wide receiver U, there's a wide receiver from USC playing on the Rams, and I, all I can see is Cooper Cup. I don't really – does Robert Woods get clock or is Cooper Woody Cup making a Woody has a role. Which is what? Woody, 
what he throws in that role. So, do you Listen, think their uh, offense is efficient, the Rams? I mean, I think Woody does his job. As far as I'm concerned, though, do I think that they need to run the rock better? Absolutely. Do I think they need the to question. knock people off you the ball. Did not, you did not answer the question. And, the uh, question is, do you think the offense is efficient? And he talking about Woody. Efficiency, efficiency to me is knocking guys off the ball, and they don't do that. And I've been saying that they, they don't do that. Trevor and his trench talk. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, because. What? What's wrong with it? You and your trench talk. <laughs> What's wrong with it, B? So talk to me about this aggressiveness that you always referring to. What are you seeing about the Rams that are making you say that they not they not able to why can't they dominate a game? Why are they sixteen to seventeen against the Lions at halftime? Linebackers aren't putting hands on guys, dudes aren't looking at the eight gap and then putting their hands in the chest play the guards. I don't see defensive tackles getting knocked back. I don't see offensive linemen with their heads bobbing and chest up like this. Dudes aren't getting in people's chest. Boys not being physical. Boys not fitting. People not flat back. No flat backs. No no coming out of hits. None of that. No, none of that, bro. I don't see none of that, bro. Nobody coming out the sled and picking pockets. I'm I'm just asking. Picking McDonald is not physical in the trenches. That's what you're saying. Is that where did I say that, Carl? That's actually, that's actually exactly that's exactly what you said. You said they not physical in the churches. We could probably okay, put cool. that quote. Better yet, Carl, are they physical as a unit? Are the Rams a physical defensive line unit as a whole? <laughs> I just asked a question, man. I don't want to listen. Hey man. A D is one of the most physical players in the game. He's on that defensive line, so you yeah. gotta give him some credit. Absolutely. So that means if I got three other guys next to me, Carl, you played at that level. If we got a pick game on the right side of the field, no matter how nice I am, if I know that, that dude's not going to pick up and clean up for me, are my teeth not getting knocked out? You played offensive guard. Oh. It's a, it's a, but you know the game is not a physical game like it used to be when I played. You know what I mean? So at the end of the day, you know, it's not a lot of guys with that with that mentality to just be physical. I, I, Verone came on and said, "You your, your trench talk." You know, a lot of guys don't understand that. You know, the rules of winning football games never change. You got to run the ball and play great defense. Mm-hmm. If you can run the ball and play great defense, you're giving yourself a chance to win a championship. The only way you can win if you don't have those things is if you have a generational talent at quarterback. Right, yep. which very few people have. All right, and so it's the reason that so many teams lose in college. It's the reason that so many teams lose in pros. Probably the reason why most teams lose in high school is because people don't understand that you must be able to block and tackle. As simple as it sounds, that's going to always be the key to winning that's football games. That's the base level of the sport. Yeah, at a championship level. Coach Reed, I know you always talk to me about running backs and running backs matter. I have a question about the defensive side. Let's just say we got a, a bare-bones defense. Which position group do you think we need to focus on first to get our team to turn the pace to the next level? You always had to build it from inside out. You need great defensive tackles and you need great inside backers to secure the A and the B gaps, right? So you, that's those are the first positions that you have to address. You can get by with defensive ends that aren't great pass rushers because you can create pass rushing opportunities through blitzes, through smokes, through slants and games and things of that nature. 
But if you can't if you can't control the A, B, and C gap, you're gonna be in a lot of trouble, and it's gonna it's gonna really show. You 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 even say this in college football recruiting, bro. The most important positions you recruit are the quarterbacks and defensive tackles. (laughs) And I'm actually I'm glad y'all talking about D tackles and D line because this pivots us to one of the games we're gonna talk to today, which is the Bengals against the Ravens. What the Bengals defense is doing. That's a great room. It's 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 ba- it's clicking on all cylinders. Is that safe to say mm-hmm. or what? Sam Hubbard and Trey Hendrickson have really great chemistry, and they got a lot of great vets in that room that just know what to do. They know like they're the type of dudes, bro. They don't have to look look to the sideline and set up a game. They played long enough where they know what they're getting. <laughs> all the protections they don't need to overcoach nothing. It's just they got dudes who are just good pros. Right. They got really good pros, bro. Like Sam Hubbard, he got paid this summer, so you know he ready to ball. That's it. Trey left, bro. Trey came from an organization with the great D line coach with the Saints, where they just they just got straight vertical rushes, and a lot of the stuff he did was because he was a secondary pass rusher with Cam Jordan last year. Now he got a pretty pretty decent secondary pass rusher next to him with Sam Hubbard, and now like the production is not necessarily dropping off. He doing exactly what they've been needing him to do. That's really what the Bengals been missing. So I'm happy with what they're doing. You happy they the best team in Ohio? Hey V, I have a question. Uh, so Jamar Chase had a great day, but of course, <laughs> of course, the guy, one of the guys guarding him, Marlon Humphrey, did not have such a great day. Who? What like? Can we even pinpoint a reason why he falling off like this? Or what, J- what? JT, we've been addressing this. We've been addressing this for weeks now. Exactly. <laughs> and we I can't seem to pinpoint. I'm not even going to lie and try what, to what act super. Always, what have we always said Marlon Humphrey was really good at when he plays man-to-man coverage? Aggressiveness on the, on the yeah. line of scrimmage. And, and, putting, and putting his hands on guys. Right. We're watching yep. guys like Jamar Chase just stutter, stutter, stick. We talking about that quick free release, free, like six. Free releases. We gotta get guys on. We gotta get guys on the ground. I get people catch. People gonna catch the ball. That happens. But what, it, like Carl said, in this game, you gotta be able to tackle in space. It's huge. It's you crazy. Be able to oh yeah, he made him look like college that's, got the full guys. Slants can't go eighty yards. Yeah. No, nah, bro. That's not 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 you in the NFL. And you start that. That can't happen. Like if you're that happens, you, you gotta sit next to me, bro. Like you're a hundred million dollar man. You can't you can't do that as the number one corner for the Baltimore Ravens. A hundred million dollar man. That can't happen. You, well, you, can't sit down, you can't sit down your hundred million dollar corner. He got to play. Exactly. <laughs> right. Right. You paying too much right. money. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> you, you know that's the game within the game. And and to give yeah. up two hundred, give up two hundred to a rookie, and then go tweet about it. Hey bro, <laughs> hey bro. What's kind of funny though, V is like remember that first week of training camp, Rashad baby pulled up. We was just like. Uh, oh, I think, hey, I we actually did discuss that. That's crazy. Yeah, Bateman yeah. was getting money on him. Bateman was. I was like, I understand his pat and go. Like, everybody got short song, but something didn't look right. I was like, well, he's getting beat. It's back. We got to get back to the drawing board. You just got to, you know, sometimes as a DB, things don't go your way. I get that. You may have a little bit of a slump. It's football. It happens. But it being Marlon Humphrey, you got to get back to the basics. You got to get back to honing your crab, honing your technique. Playing with their leverage, and, and for him, somebody that that it has the ability to put his hands on guys and run with anybody, right? There's no reason to make the game harder for yourself. So I, right. I think that's what he. That's just my opinion. Look, I'm just trying to get there. You're a hundred million dollar man, but that's just my thoughts. Let me ask you this: What if Jamar Chase is just better than him? <laughs> 
Oh man. So look. Oh man. I would. I would. So look. Typically, that happens. Like you, you come across one week and the guy just is better. But it's week seven, you know, and we haven't seen the dominant Marlon Humphrey performance like we have last season. So I wouldn't even just say Jamar maybe. Chase got the upper hand because it's been several weeks though he's been off. So like, then what? Maybe he's not dominant. He not no more. He washed. Nah, he can't be washed. I ain't gonna say he washed, but he can't you be always, washed. Yet. You are what your film says you are, right? So I wonder, was it because he had a great corner? Well, I'm not gonna say great, but a really good corner, Marcus Peter, playing alongside of him. Did that give him the confidence? Well, it makes did. a difference because you're allowed to do more stuff in coverage that way. Right. Right. You know. So, but I mean, I even think. The, it, it's it is a little different because the guys, the Anthony Averitts, the other DBs have have been stepping up. We see them. Oh yeah, Tyree Kill. Averitt's been playing well, in my opinion. All over the well. place too. I think he's been playing well. So when you have your number, because really he's what like the number three, four corner, and he stepped up to the plate. And for your number one guy, to, that's that's not good, man. That's not good. But to Carl's question, if Jamar Chase is better that day. He, he was better than Marlon Yeah, he was the best receiver, best offensive player on the field. Hey, did y'all watch T. Higgins in that first half, though? I saw one hit to catch. He was out of bounds, but it was phenomenal. I mean, Jamar, Jamar Chase is major. I mean, if, if Jamar Chase doesn't opt out last year and he plays for LSU, does Devontae Smith win the Heisman? Right? Yeah. Is LSU, is LSU yeah. in shambles right now? So my, my take on that is – the LSU roster was not the same last year, so teams would have had a lot easier of a time focusing on Jamar Chase compared to Devontae Adams, where they still have to, you know, be mindful of other players on the field. In other words, Reed, I don't think it would have been a takeaway though, because you know Devontae Adams was so far, the gap was wide, but now it's different when you got a second receiver on your tail. It's like, oh, okay, let's go ahead and give it to a quarterback. Then Reed knows all about him. these. Jamar made something we like to call a business decision. Oh, he definitely he made saw a team. <laughs> he right. saw his team. Look at the guy quarterback, <laughs> his quarterback that was playing. He said, you know what? I think it's in my best interest. Trot, I can see you now too, by the way. You 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 back home now. <laughs> he said, well, of course. I can see you now. He, he got you. <laughs> of course, uh Bayman. Did Bayman uh did he play that whole last season? Uh he remember. opted out late. No, he, he opted out. out. He opted out, All came right. back and opted out again late. Okay. Yeah, he went three for eighty though. What's this? His second or first game? Post injury, he looked. I told y'all that Rashad Bateman was going to be a great pickup for the Ravens. I told you before the draft. I have no problem saying I missed on Rashad Bateman. You missed on Jamar Chase too, because you were saying Jamar Chase was going to be getting. Jared, don't don't do that. (laughs) That's not Jared, bro. That's Verone. Trevor came in this podcast and said that Jamar Chase was going to be getting punched in the chest when he got to the NFL. And we just saw him against Marlon Humphrey, actually, Mister Chest Puncher. And no, if, we, if, if, if I'm going to die, everybody got to die. Don't oh, yeah. Oh, that's fair talk. That is fair talk. This will be our last time recording with Trevor Trout. We got to get him up out of here. Hey, let, let's go ahead and slide to our other game, though. Um, The Chiefs and the Titans. So, Coach Reed mentioned how a team got a lot of holes, but, you know, play well with a generational quarterback. The Chiefs aren't playing well, so is that saying we're missing you that generational quarterback? Okay, okay, cool. That's where I was headed. That was well, my question. Defensively, the uh, the Titans are a really bad matchup for the Chiefs, right? The physicality that they're playing with, and this is also a microcosm of when you play pay a quarterback or pay one guy that kind of money, 
it depletes your salary cap in some areas, right? So you either have to draft great, you have to develop great, you have to find different guys and different pieces for your defense, right? But right now the Chiefs are in a in a situation where they have to decide how they're going to build their defense overall and their offensive line moving forward um, to get them back to a championship level. Because if you pay a guy $500 million and then you don't have anybody to protect them, right, you're going to be in trouble anyway. And so you, you, it's, it's so many – they have so many holes and so many deficiencies. They definitely don't look like a team that won the Super Bowl two years ago, um, and they're really a shell of the team that lost in the Super Bowl a year ago. Um, they, they seem to be a long way away. Do you think they had ability to get a click in this season, or is it – the, the ability yeah. to do to when you say clicking, like what do you mean? Let's just say finish with they got three wins right now. Let's just say finish with eight to ten. They That's can not get, even. They can get eight to ten wins. I think. You, I mean, okay. that's successful for them. Yeah, I mean, Patrick Mahoney's give you a puncher's chance in any game, right? Right. But, it, but it's a lot of pressure on him right now. They and they lost some key pieces. Now here's my deal with the whole. Chiefs thing is like number one, you gotta know how to draft, and you gotta care about the running back position. They didn't value that, and right now it's hurting them. Two, they're not as special on the perimeter as they were as they once were. Because remember we talked about this last year, and then you know people tried to kill us for it. We said there's at least two or three quarterbacks in this league that you can put in the offense that can do similar things, not necessarily right. statistically the same, but still very similar things. And my deal is, like, it's easy to say, okay, cool. They're not as dynamic on the perimeter they once were. They aren't a great defensive team. That's fine. But there's shots that they have to win games where there's a particular person that's actually the one hurting them in that game. And the thing is, like, and we're going to do this every week. Like, bro, that picky through where they saying it jumped off that dude's chest. Throw the check down. Throw the check down. Bro, you got a check release right next to you. Here is a question that I always have for everybody. A lot of people think that running backs don't matter. They think that you can grab a running back at any point of the draft, that you can just put any dude back there. And, And I say this to people all the time. The line does not make the back. The back makes the line, right? And that's just – and it's always been that way, all right? You can take a you can take a, a generational running back and put him behind the line and he have an MVP caliber season, and then you can put a low-level back behind that same line and that kid will barely get 1,000 yards, right? Exactly. And yeah. so if everybody knows that the running game is so critical to success – we better start doing a better job evaluating running backs, right, and making sure we have the right guys to fit our system. And you need to prioritize that position if running the football is, is what you plan on doing. You just can't you just can't go grab anybody off the scrap heap. And until you don't have one who can really do it for you, you won't understand how valuable the ones you had before, how valuable they were. I'm glad you said that because I think – we need to get a point in football. Get to a point in football discussion, where we need to stop saying the player is more valuable because his position is viewed as more valuable. For example, Patrick Mahomes plays the the most coveted position in the NFL that makes the most money. 
all because his position is set that way doesn't mean that he's more valuable than Derrick Henry. Right. Because he's not. And that's like the misconception with this. Because you need a good quarterback. You need a great quarterback to win most games. To win most games, you need to have a great quarterback. And I think it's extremely unfair to Derrick Henry, a player like him, and look and be like, hey, you're not as valuable as this dude because without him just playing fairly well, we cannot win. When in reality, that's almost every team in the NFL. Right. Like, I'm not going to say Derrick Carr is more valuable than uh, Ezekiel Elliott because it's not true. (laughs) I'm not going to say – Dak is more viable than Ezekiel Elliott because he's brought in the playoffs in the day. It turns to, well, oh, when they don't win and Dak goes out there and he throws for 315, 325, whatever, they're going to say they lost because they couldn't run the football. So how is that person automatically more viable than that player? All of a sudden, yep. So They can't explain it. I have a question for everybody, of course, regarding these running backs. We have teams like the Browns. Kind of the Cowboys, you know, a few teams around the league, the Cardinals are trying to do it, the Packers do it well, of having two great, not great, two good, solid running backs in the backfield, and they alternate them. And then, of course, you got the uh, Titans, for example, the Steelers, for example, who had that one star feature back. How important is it to have, you know, the two complementary backs? You know, Alvin Kamara is another example of a singular star in the backfield compared to the teams that have one feature back i think a lot of it is do you have does that guy have the ability to carry the load by itself derrick henry and alvin Kamara are generational talents at their position right you can do it either way you can do it with having one guy or you can do it with having two guys that kind of split it the thing is if you have one guy then you an injury away from your entire offense coming off the way yeah giants and panthers for example you got to be i mean think about when the Saquon Barkley can't play for the Giants, what that does for the football team, you know, McCaffrey being out on the Panthers. So yep. you have to be able to to have other serviceable guys. And that's and, and that comes with, like I say, with drafting, with roster management, all those things that you pay your GM for, right? And your head coach, kind of figuring out who needs to be there, you know, how to how that roster needs to be activated. You know, so those things are key uh, when making those decisions. I think I think mileage, of course, comes into it. The two back system, not putting as much mileage on certain backs. For instance, Cleveland's gonna they're gonna continue to balance both. I know one's hurt, but having that two back system, but having yeah, they are because dude went crazy this past week. But having that two back yeah. system, keeping the mileage off of them, but still being able to get them in and rotate them in for them to be effective, and then also your old line. I mean, what, what type of O line do you this, have? This is a great discussion because we got a coach who has no problem giving a kid forty carries. <laughs> <laughs> so, so this what we gonna do? Can't do this stuff now. We got hey. here who really said run the rock. He he, wishbone. Uh, boy, we definitely gonna dig into that too. <laughs> So, Trev, Trev and V, one thing that we did for the past few weeks was focused on the Titans' defense, who, of course, they played the Chiefs, who are pretty battered, but they moved to 5-2, and two, you know? Mm. Well, yeah, I think they buzzing or what? No. They clicking now? They're, getting, no. they're just getting turnovers. <laughs> they're getting turnovers. You know, you, when you win the turnover margin, 
and the battle of turnovers makes things a lot easier. But, I mean, they're playing a little bit better. I do think the Bills gave that game away. But in the Chiefs – You can't say that, guys. You can never say a team gave the game away. Gave it away. They, they take it from you, man. <laughs> they take it from you. Winning is hard. Right? It is. Winning is, winning is hard. You Trust can, me. You I guys know. know that, man. Winning is, winning is hard. So when right. a team wins, they just won. You know, we we gotta we gotta respect the you know we gotta respect the winner, the respect the winner too. I want to know what was going on with the Chiefs' offense when Pat didn't have more than ten throws in the first half. Uh, Tyreek Hill is gone. In case you didn't catch. Yeah. Him. Oh no, for sure. It's just like it emphasizes what what we've been saying. And here's the thing: the weakest part of their their defense in Tennessee, it didn't matter that game because. Like what Carl said, you grow inside and out. And inside, one thing Mike Brable values is his defensive linemen and inside linebackers. And that was a type of game. The yes, matchups favored them perfectly in that game. Yeah, when you when you playing or coaching, it's a demoralizing feeling offensively when you can't run the rock at all. Like when every time you try to get a yard on the ground – one-yard gain, two-yard loss, two-yard gain, three-yard loss, one-yard loss, because they're just so stout on the interior. And they just, they're just they just better than you, you know, in that capacity, right? And when you – in football, when you talk about Patrick Mahomes or the Chiefs, football is the greatest team sport in the world. It's the one that you have to have the most things in order. So you have to develop an identity, right? And so what is your identity based around? Then you have to have the comp- complementary pieces for that identity. So if your identity was going to be Patrick Mahomes in the offense, you have to look at the way some of his skill players have been depleted. His running back has been depleted. You have to put those things around him if that's going to be your identity. The Tennessee Titans have decided their identity is going to be defense and running the football. And right now mm-hmm. they're doing a good job playing within that identity that they've chosen for themselves. And then when you get down to the thick of it, Playoff time, winning time, then we'll see. You know, right? Who's the best team there in the end? But when once you Arizona Cardinals, once you go in with an identity, once you say, Mahonis is the way we're gonna go, we're gonna time into this contract. Then you got to give him the pieces because he can't throw the ball to himself. On top of that, what you saying that's like in terms of identity, it can't just be a season to season thing, and that's how I try to explain, like. It has to be sustainable if you're going to do this. Like, it just can't be, oh, well, these aren't the guys we got this year, so we can't do this. No, you have to, in free agency, when you're drafting all those things, you have to draft specifically for those things. And you can tell when people are doing it because when they lose. That's when they lose. The coordinators going in and out every year, all the other stuff, is because they didn't draft to fit what they're trying to do. That's how come, like, when I talk about the Patriots and Steelers, like all jokes aside, about how come I harp about like what they do is so great, is because they have a certain way of how they bring in guys to do a certain role. And it's like, look, if we lose this guy next year because he needs to go get paid, cool, that's fine. We have another dude right behind him who can get almost that same production because we trust what we teach and we trust the identity of what we're doing. And you trust the way you draft and put your board together that you can continue to to replace those pieces. Right. Like, for example, like with the Chiefs, they're, 
identity defensively, I think, is up front. We're going to beat you one-on-one pass rush. Frank Clark, Chris Jones, these are pass rushing guys. This is what they do. We got our safeties back there. You know, they're going to do their thing. But, like, as of, like, second down, third down, look, we're not going to do a bunch of fitting or whatnot. We got Chris Jones in this three technique. We got Frank Clark in the wide nine. We're, just, we're going to beat you to the hip. And what happens, happens. Uh, Trevor, I just got a quick question. Is Julio yeah. Jones returning top 10 ever? Or is that pretty much done for the seasons he has? I think it might be done right now. But the one thing I'll say about Julio, though, and I've been saying this for the last couple of years, is when it's money time, Julio's going to be there. So, like, you know what? He's probably not going to have a great regular season. I'm coming to terms with that, and I'm cool with it. With that you know, that's said, a good point. That's, that's no, a healthy sure. point. Because think about it, bro. Like Derrick Henry's gonna be gonna be the one who's asked to carry that offense for us year. Facts. That's what it is, bro. Julio's old. Julio's dinged. When they traded for him, that they knew Julio was old and Julio's dinged. But that's not why you trade for him. You trade right. for him because he's gonna be the veteran who knows exactly what to do in every situation. And you know that when it's money time, and you really gonna look and be like, "Hey, Julio, I need you this game." He's gonna be ready specifically for that game. He's gonna lay it all on the line. This guy loves Love Julio. Wow. Oh, for cool. sure. One of the greatest receivers we've ever seen. But, I mean, I think also that he's been a big help for A.J. Brown. Like you you think so? What differences have you seen between last season and this season with A.J. Brown? I wouldn't say differences just because I'm not in that room, but I feel like A.J. Brown's had a good – I mean, A.J. Brown had eight catches for 133 yesterday. And, of course, he's going to feed off of Derrick Henry. You start loading the box up, A.J. has a one-on-one. But that's also going to compliment when Julio does come back. It's both of them. And then I'm sure being in that room, having this veteran presence, A.J. Brown yeah. has said that he's – I was going to say, it ain't even guy. just a veteran presence. We're going to – you know. Like he's, yeah, he's that's a, that's so a specific. Like he's picking his brain, and I don't know specifically what it is because he's already been a good receiver. Right. But just those little things and whatever it is that they do over there, I mean, it's paying off. So it's, it's all you could tell. You could tell Julio in that room because when A.J. catches the ball – He's a little bit different after the catch now and then how he high points the football. It's the very small stuff, but you can notice it. And then, bro, you saw the same thing when Calvin Ridley came in, when he came in Atlanta. Like, Julio really out there teaching dudes, bro. That's like they got so much respect for him. He's a pro's pro. If you on football Twitter, I'm sure you've seen the hashtag, two simple words, keep working. Keep working. <laughs> Coach Reed, how did this start? How did it gain so much traction, and how you get it to stick? I mean, my father been telling that that's my father's thing. You know, he been telling me and my brother that since we were kids. It's really kind of my grandfather's deal, to be honest with you. You know, it's just a family thing. And so when I started coaching years ago, it's just the, the kind of the mantra that I built the program around, you know, through all adversity, through – all situations that come and go, you just got to continue to work your way through it. Okay. And then what What did you do to get it to stick? Like, what do you think made it – what do you think got so many people to ride behind it? Do you think they really value what it says, or is it just a trendy I know thing that you that, was able to take over? I know the kids that I coach value it, right? All right. And I know the coaches that, that coach would be valued. So it's like – um, I coached a lot of high-profile kids, you know. So when you coach high-profile kids, they got a, a lot of social media followers, a lot of guys on Twitter and Instagram. So 
you're hearing it and it kind of will go viral throughout the country because those fan bases are crazy, you know, and how they follow the kids. So it kind of permeates itself um, throughout everything. But I know that they really value it because it's not just a hashtag us. We really live that way, right? We, right. Really, we really about that life. So at the end of the day for us, you know, it means something. And so um, to, to anybody else who picked it up off of social media or however they got it, I don't know if it means something to them or not, but I know it means something to the guys that really live their life. Okay. Yeah, that's actually, that's a great point. Cause like you say, it's deeper than just what you see. Cause we don't know what you're saying in the locker room, but right, you got to stay championship out of it. Well, what? it's more than just even what you say in the locker room, right? Cause like you got to live every day and, right. what, and, and how you do anything is how you, how you do everything. Oh man, we say that in Ooh, Carl yeah. Potton. So what happens is um, it's an extension to your whole life. It's the way you handle your academics. It's your character. It's the way you go about your business on a daily and day in and day out basis. The guys who are really successful are probably successful in most things that they do. But guys who aren't successful are probably unsuccessful in most of the things they do because your character is going to shine through, you know, um, in those moments. So what do you, we're going to pivot to a different role. How did you fall into your role that you have with 24-7 sports? Relationship, right? So just over the years of having guys and, and building relationships with guys who worked at 247 and, um, and, and just having the opportunity to get on board. Um, it's just, it's, it's what I tell my young guys. I tell it to my coaches. I tell it to my kids. Valuing your relationships honoring your relationships and, and taking care of people that you meet along the way, right? And if you're good to people, it'll be good to you. You know, they'll be good to you in return. If you put out good energy, good energy will come back to you, to you threefold and the blessings will pour over. What, do you, what, do you, what would you say you're enjoying the most out of what you're doing with them? With 247? Yes. Uh, be, being involved in, in – talking about the coaches, shining a light on, on coaches that people may not know as much about, giving guys opportunities um, to get exposure, to position guys to get head coaching jobs, position guys to move up to coordinator roles, guys that the, the, the average public person doesn't know about. When you see a team winning or when you see a, a, a team losing, either way, like knowing who was really involved in those situations. That is a great thing that you are doing, because I will say I've learned quite a bit from those articles. I'll be like, "Dang, I thought I was, I thought I knew it. I thought I knew something." I'm like, mm -hmm. "I never looked." At it. It's always good to have a different perspective, I should say. And clearly, you spend a lot of time, uh, you know, paying attention to college football. What do you think makes the guy a pro? And we don't even, it, of course, that's a hard question. So let's just start with a running back, for example. What would you say if you watching a college game? What would you say? Oh yeah, that's he could be one of the ones. Well, I think it even starts before you get to that point, right? Because there's so right. much that goes into it. Number one, you have to handle your recruiting, right? All right? And most guys screw up their recruiting. All right? Most guys don't. Most guys, when they're coming out of high school, they don't have the right advice. They don't have the right people in their corner. And they have no, re no, no idea why they're selecting the college. They pick the wrong system. They pick the wrong fit. Um, 
They like Nike uniforms. They like Adidas. They they For like Ron McKinley the third. You know, <laughs> they like whatever, and so you know they a zone corner, but they go to a school that plays man, right? They a big back. They go to an air raid school, right? They end up being H backs and pass protectors, right? They 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 are they are four three pass rusher, but they go to a three fourteen. They have no idea what they're doing from that process. So the majority is the reason why you have so many two and three stars get drafted as opposed to four and five star guys, right? And the reason right. for it is at a if you a three star recruit, you're getting recruited to fit a specific system, right? So you're going to say, well, I'm going to go to Baylor and I'm going to play the slot receiver on the right side of the field. And they, they're looking for you to do that. The only thing you're going to run is slants, bubbles, and posts and corners. You're going to run those four routes your entire career. You catch 80 balls a year for 1,200 yards. You get drafted in the third round. Well, a guy that's going to get recruited by the top five schools in the country, he thinks that he can fit any system and play anywhere, but he can't. Right. They think right. they can overcome all of his deficiencies because of his talent. So then when you put him in Alabama or you put him in Clemson and it doesn't fit, it's because he never fit their situation to begin with. Right. And so those guys end up in the portal. They end up being upset. They saying they coach screwed them over, but they never really had a chance because they didn't think about recruiting in the thought for what. Now, to get into the to nuts of your question, if you are – the one of the ways to be a pro is you have to play. That's first and foremost, right? <laughs> so uh, we were doing some draft analysis stuff a year or two ago uh, when we were when Perk was coming out. We were just kind of yeah, I'm a big data person, so we're looking at data. In the last three drafts, 88 percent of every player that got drafted started for three years, right? So. If 88% of the players in the draft start for three years and you don't start for three years, chances are you're not going to be a pro. That's the most likely deal, you know, with very few exceptions. So you got to have some special, special tape if you're only going to play two years. And, and, and then you betting on you being the exception to the rule, and I never think that that's a safe bet. So, like, when I'm talking to my guys, I'm always going to be looking at the depth chart. I'm always going to be looking at the system. Right. And so then if you fit those things and you jump in and you then it's on you to perform. And you got and we in the day and a like they're gonna watch every film of your tape, right? They're gonna watch all your practice tape. The scouts are gonna come through. It's a lot that goes into being a pro. But the the easiest way to say it, the layman's terms to, for people to say it, you have to be a very good football player if you want to play in the National Football League. You have to be a very good and productive player consistently. You have to um, you have to be able to play through injuries. You have to not let injuries put you on yourself because your best ability is availability. Right. right? You can't make the club in the tub. Yeah, you can't make the club in the tub. All right. You can't um, you can't put yourself in jeopardy with your academics. A lot of guys start to have academic issues. A lot of guys have drug issues. A lot of guys have domestic violence stuff. They have different things um, that go on with them, right, um, that cause them to not be pros. And so once you kind of sift through all of that, then it's just the best of the best. One of the things that people say all the time to kids, they say, well, 
only one in a million guy. Well, it's 200,000 kids play high school football. And so the chances of you being a pro, well, that's not really true, right? Because it's not 200,000 good football players, right? It's only 1,000 good football players in high school, right? So you're not going against 200,000 guys. It's 1,000 guys. And out of those 1,000 guys, 400 of them are not going to have a grade. So they, they eliminate themselves. So now it's 600 guys left, right? So now when those 600 guys matriculate into the different levels of college football, half of them won't play anyway. So now you're down to 300 guys. So you gotta, you got to find a way to make yourself one of those best 300 guys that's left. Um, and those are the real numbers that people have to consider when they're trying to play football. It kind of goes back. I think we talked about this before. It's like, and it sounds crazy to say it because it really is like the NFL is a, is, is a hard job and it's hard to stick in. It's hard to even get there. But like, when you really look at it, you see people like, these two came from this school. We came from that school. How did they find this dude? Whatever. Number one, like you said, they, they played. They find a scheme that fit for them. But only a certain percentage of dudes in the NFL who, no matter where they went, that they were going to be pros regardless. That's really a very small percentage. And, like, when I say something to this bird person, like, the NFL is attainable for a lot of dudes. Like, they try to make it seem like it's not reasonable, but it's like it really is. But you got to consider how many people are going to go somewhere or there's going to be a certain thing that ends up happening to where they may not end up being a pro. And sometimes it's their fault. Sometimes it's not their fault. I think, like, think about, it. like you said, you gotta stay healthy for one. Your abilities have to fit that scheme. You gotta think about how many pros there are there in systems that don't fit them, and it just, you know, it happens. <laughs> that's just right. a life of football. You know what I'm saying? That's why I tell people, it's like, look, like you look on Sundays, bro. And listen, you might see a dude, he wasn't even that crazy in college. We talk about this all the time, like with defensive tackles. I tell people, if you can do lockpick shit, you can play five years in the NFL. You don't got to do get a bunch of sacks. Now, you a second DT, second string, third string, fourth string DT, whatever. You getting paid to do lockpick shit. You can do that at a high level, that one thing, bro. You will get generational wealth. You might have went to West Illinois. What's up? You actually do that. You do that really well with backup quarterbacks, surprisingly. Like you, you actually do understand that every guy not gonna be on run. You'll be like, "Hey, that's a good backup." He got twelve years in the league. I look up and shoot. Colt McCoy is doing that, right? Like that's why I have an issue with when we get around draft time. Like whether it's a good class, bad class, AK class, or whatever. I'm like, y'all, it's a position of need. You have to draft it. Like, Man. think about it, bro. Like the Lions fans, yeah, complain about their generation. And you would all do getting paid. It's like, oh man, uh, that kid's not a pro. It's like, bro, he might not start for you next year, might not be the year after, but you might need him to play simply for when that one dude leaves or retires in two, three years. Like, there's dudes, bro, right now who getting yanked from college games who are professionals, bro. They are pros, no matter how right. people feel about it. They're pros. They are better than those other kids, bro. Like people overthink this football stuff a lot because it's college. <laughs> because it's college. 
Corona, like I said, we talk about this all the time. There's dudes who's at Kent State who's who could might be a quarterback converted to a wide receiver when he became a pro. And he just knew exactly where to be and how to get there. And he probably played seven, eight years. In college, bro, in college, bro, if you're a superior athlete and you can beat guys one on one, you can dominate. Absolutely dominate, bro. Trevon Jakes was a receiver. What, V? I'm on, v, I'm on, am I lying, V? I don't think V know he on mute. That's pretty embarrassing. V don't know he on mute. I guess he don't. Bro, you play a team, bro. It's really hard in college, dog, if you play a team that got better athletes than you to beat those dudes. Because most so, of them are going to be pro. What's up? One of the things Coach Reed said was three years of film – I'm not going to try to, you know, replicate the stat because he said it perfectly. I'm going to ask both of y'all this question. So let's just say you one of those guys, you know, you didn't get amazing playing time for two years. You probably red-shirted, then you had a great guy in front of you, so on and so forth. Let's just say you have a great season. You pop off. Do you still – you think you should return and build the film or should you you try to capitalize off that excitement that you just had and kind of – I ain't going to say trick the scouts, but say, hey, look, they, they biting – I got to take it. Well, number one, you can't trick the scouts, right? Yeah. Right. You got to you got to get the what I recommend everybody do is get the real information. Go to number one, go to the NFL advisory committee. committee. They will give you a. They will tell you where you they think you're going to be drafted, right? And I would take that grade very seriously because that's fairly accurate most of the time. All right. You have to have somebody in your corner who has real relationships with NFL scouts and scouting personnel. And so you, you need the best advice possible. And at the end of the day, you have to decide for yourself whether you're going to listen to the advice or not. If they tell you, hey, you're going to be a fourth-round pick or a fifth-round pick, you got to decide if you can live with that, right? If you go back to college, will you be a first-round pick or a second-round pick? Maybe, maybe not. Like it, it's no guarantees, right? right? So you gotta be able to you gotta be able to look at those situations for yourself and you gotta determine for yourself where you at and what you need out of life. How far are you away from finishing your degree? Have you finished your degree? All of those things are factors when you're making those decisions. But I would always recommend to the player before you make an emotional decision, all right. You need to get the real information from the scout. You need to get the real information from the advisory committee. All right. And then make your decision from there. Okay. And then another thing you touched on is how, you know, you got three-star guys getting drafted, five-star. Of course, every everybody who get drafted isn't a five-star recruit. As we know, we, we from St. Louis. Trev was a nine-star recruit. V was – V, what was you coming out? Do you remember? Some people, going? some people had me as a three. Some people had me as a four star. My only, my knock was, my knock was always my size. They just kept saying I wouldn't get okay. bigger in college. Here I am, thirty right. pounds heavier though. So, Coach Reed, what do you do? How much? How important do you think those stars matter? Do you push your guys to kind of? I don't know if this is the right terminology you would use, but chase those stars, or do you think you know you could still make it to college, a great college, without? being a five, four, three star. You need to chase being a really good player, right? Mm. 
you can't worry about the stars because you don't have any control over it. All right. And one thing that I don't do, I would I tell this to Trout, I tell this to V. Like you played at USC and you played at Oregon. I don't want to hear you too. I don't want to see them. Like it doesn't matter if if a certain school didn't recruit you because they didn't think that you was gonna have size, like you're starting for Oregon, right? You're on the Jim Thorpe Award list. Right, so Dang, like you, I didn't know that. It's hey. crazy, man. It's crazy. <laughs> so it's on you, like it's on you what you make out of it. Nobody that's at playing for Oregon can tell me they got slept on. Right, <laughs> you play valid that's from true. Texas too. That's so true. I mean, it ain't like you from that area. You playing, you playing for you playing for Oregon, right? So maybe Texas didn't sign you because. They thought you wasn't gonna get big enough. The, the coach who was at Texas when you came out of high school got fired, right? You playing for a school that's in the top ten in the country. You had a pick against Ohio State on national TV, right? So what somebody gave you as a star does it matter today? It not not only does it not matter today, it didn't matter then either, right? Stars are for fans and people that don't know understand football like that. It gives them like a, a starting point so that they can understand who's going to play on their teams a little better. But what I always tell my guys is, man, focus on the process of being the best player that you can be. And if you're the best player that you can be, then you're going to give yourself a shot when it when it's time, right? You're right. going to get an opportunity to go play at Ohio State, to go against SC, to go to play in one of these big ball games, and just show me what you're working with, right? And when you get that opportunity, pray that you're ready for it. But you can't come out and say, I played at Oregon or I played at USC and I got slept on or somebody got ranked over me. Or I got right. like, like that's that like that's a false chip on your shoulder, right? right. Like that ain't that, that that's not even real, right? Being slept on ain't getting to go to Oregon. Like some dude who won three state titles and, and was majorly productive and he's playing at Midwestern State or West Texas A&M, that dude can I, – I listen to him a little bit say he got slept on, right? But not nobody that's – every time I turn on the nationally televised game, I see my dog out there playing. You know what I mean? He can't tell me that he slept on, right? So you got every opportunity – um, when you're playing at one of those schools to showcase yourself to the NFL, and and, and it'll happen if it happens. On top of that, I go back to what you said earlier about the whole like scheme fit thing. It's like, look, you can pick the all because, like you said, the stars are for the fans. They never ever do a thing where like, hey, this kid, even though he is ranked as high, does he fit what they do? It's never that. Right. Never. Does he fit that defense? Is he a like? It's weird. You always see the thing like even like with the basketball recruiting like it's a kind of, like you'll see like dual threat quarterbacks. You know what I'm saying? They'll rank down. They'll never do like hey like they'll do three four ends four three ends whatever or a hybrid athlete. But it's never specific enough to be like okay, does that dude fit the scheme of what they're trying to do to win games? And it goes back to the thing you just said like with Verone in Texas, like. Those teams, you got to understand, college, they're recruiting for their system to win at the college level. It's not about you being a pro. Mm -hmm. It's not what they're bringing you there to do. If you end up being a pro, that's fine. (laughs) 
It looks great, absolutely. But look, if they look at Verone, they say, Verone, you're too small to play here in Texas. It's not necessarily saying you can't play. It's not. It doesn't even mean necessarily that the kid that they take in is better than you. It don't. There's, there's a certain way that they recruit. <laughs> like, if I need a 6'2 safety, it needs to be this big, I just need to come down thumping folks and just be tall as hell, then that's why that's how I recruit it. It don't never, ever mean – there's this misconception when people. It's a business, like, Trev. Is that what you're telling me? It's a business. That's the, bro, that's the business of it, that's bro. Right. Like, yo. Wow, it's a business. You can't take things personal. It's that's not what personal. I've, that's, what I've Dang, that's what I learned. That's what I learned. That's what I've learned just throughout being in, in college football and doing the recruiting process and, and seeing it from the other side. It's not. It's not personal. Right. But this I is, was about, the this is numbers. And it's about numbers. And the business of things. Well, because you got to think about it. If you a GM or a position coach, a coordinator, if you have one of those roles where selecting players is your job, if you take an undersized guy and he doesn't produce and, and you lose, then you're going to probably be the first guy to get fired. You know, so guys are typically um, brainwashed into doing what they consider to be safe things, right? And so if you stay safe, you most likely will get to to ride the train a little longer than if you take some bold chances on guys. And, you know, you, you got to feel like you're right. And most guys in any aspect of life don't have the courage to lead people down that direction that's not normal. You know, so those things and those situations um, will always come up. There's no different than – it's why it's so hard to be a head coach or it's why it's so few good ones at every level because – you're going to constantly be under scrutiny for the decisions you make because when you're in football or, or any sport for that matter, let's mainly say football or basketball, right? You had a one job that everybody thinks that they can do, right? So every decision that you make, somebody's going to have something to be very critical about it, right? Well, I can assure you that the dude on Twitter or that most of the sports writers don't know more about football than Mario Cristobal knows about football, right? But you're in a situation where can you stay steadfast? Can you stay the course? Can you stay true to what you believe in? And can you get it done, you know, in order for you to have the success that it is that you're looking for? And if I think that it's important for me to have guys that are a certain size, right? If I think that that's important, um, then that's what I'm going to go with. If, I, if I'm if i comfortable with having an undersized guy that I feel like is highly productive, then I'm okay to go with that. But ultimately, I have to live and die with the decision that I made. Right. So speaking of the decisions that you make, let's go ahead and hop into your coaching career. Obviously, you know, you're a big advocate of running the football. What Do you think, is there a point where you say, like, you completely shifted, like we gonna run the ball all the time, or have you always been a run heavy coach? No, so when when I had a quill glass um, that said Alabama, yep. and then we threw the I ball. Was gonna, I was definitely gonna when ask I, that. Yep. You know, when I had glass, but glass was I'm a special agree. talent at quarterback, and so we actually his senior year, right? We lost to Trinity in 2016 in the district championship. And so when I walked off the field, I told one of the coaches, I say, Trinity is better than us on the perimeter. 
at the skill position. I mean, they had Marcus Washington, they had Frenchie, um, Mookie, they had Mookie Cooper, they had Bryce Childress. They were just better than us on the perimeter. But I felt like we were better on the line and that we w- we had better running backs. And so I decided to just take it into a direction. I said, in order to beat them, we got to bring them into a street fight and kind of play, you know, bloody knuckles and, and, and put them in a game that they didn't really want to be in. And so that kind of was the start of the philosophy shift. And, and as we started running the ball the way that we were, teams did not, they didn't want to play us, right? It, it caused, um, it was a physical affair, right? So right. you got to see it. So I also did a study. Like I told you, I'm a numbers guy. So in 2016, all right, I evaluated every team that won a state championship that year in every class, right? So I don't care, all 50 states, every class, 89% of every team that won a state championship in all 50 states, every class, ran for at least 3,000 yards, all right? The 11%, also out of those 89%, 95% of those teams ran either the wing tee, the split back rear, the wishbone, some form of triple option. Every team that won state without running for 3,000 yards had a scholarship quarterback that went Division I or Division II on the scholarship. Remember, that's the exception to the rule. And so I was talking to a group of high school coaches at a clinic. Now, I'm, I'm going to give you some St. Louis history. I want you to name me. So I'm older than y'all, so you might, you probably, I know you can't go back as far as me. But from 1980 to 2021 today, I want you to name me five quarterbacks from St. Louis that went to college as quarterbacks, Division One, and finished their career as quarterbacks. You said and finished. You said wow. finished their careers. Went to college as quarterback. quarterback yeah, and finished their career playing quarterback. Name you, you said you said in the eighties. From from Come nineteen on, from nineteen eighty to twenty twenty one. Right, Mike Glass. Okay. Uh, Blaine. I mean, a Brett Gabbard won't be one. I want to see Caleb in there. He ain't done yet, but Caleb got it. Caleb in there. Very recent, though, obviously. Very recent. I'm trying to think, man. Ooh, first point. Yeah, I forgot there is Blaine. <laughs> but the play was a part with Will. Oh, uh, boy. Power, talking power, power five? They can be They can be lower. This ain't, Drew Hare. This ain't an easy phrase. Drew Hare was cold, man. Drew Hare was a good one. Cool, boy. Uh, I can't think of anybody in the in the North County school. I can't right. I can't right now. Oh boy, let me think of it. The Smith they had one. Ooh, uh, Christian Central would count, but he he didn't do all four. See, but he ain't finished his career, so it's like yeah, he he ain't finished the career. Coach, what you about to say? So my this is my point. So 
you have you struggling from 1980 to 2021. You're talking 40 years, right? Yeah. So in 40 years, you are struggling to name five guys who went and finished their career as quarterbacks. Well, right. everybody here in the city wants to run an offense that is circled around you having a guy that you don't have, right? Uh-oh. Everybody wants to run an offense that's centered around a guy that you don't have. Okay? So now, right, did you even give yourself a chance to win? It's more likely that you have a kid in your building that can run the triple option than it is that you having a guy that can complete passes. All right? So that was what where my brain was at. Uh, when we started running the wing team and running the ball the way that we were running it at that point. <laughs> I don't know what Trevor. <laughs> hey. Hey, rewind. <laughs> hey, so, Coach, I had a question. Uh, so, you was probably getting there, but from the end of that season – until the beginning of summer football practice, you just created a whole new playbook for your team. Well, Not created, obviously. There were some things out there already. but So, um, Coach Larry Walls, legendary coach from Sumner High School, um, he came in and it started for me. So, for you guys that don't know who Coach Walls is, Coach Walls was Hall of Fame coach of the Sumner Bulldogs, four-time state champion, uh, nine-time state finalist. He learned the wing tee from the late, great Eddie Robinson. And so I called Coach Walls. Coach Walls is 83 years old. I called Coach Walls and told him what that I needed his help. And him and one of his assistants from Sumner, uh, Coach Richard Perry, they came out and they installed the wing. They taught my kids the grambling wing tee. And I just sit, I sat and just took notes, right? So – he actually installed it. I didn't install it. He 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 installed it himself, coached the kids up on it. Um, I videoed it. I met with him. I took notes. We watched old tapes from Sumner, and he showed me how to run it, and that's how I got to it. That's amazing. How how easy or difficult was it to get your not only your players, but even your assistant coaches and your coordinators to shift that mindset from – Clearly, you just say I went from, you know, airing it out to, nah, let's go ahead and get dirty. Um, I don't have to convince grown men of anything. They can coach somewhere else if they don't like what we're doing. But in terms of the kids, um, I think that um, from the kids' standpoint, it was different. But our kids at that time, they just wanted to win. They were all going to college. Everybody's bags in terms of their offers were secured. So they they wanted to win. They wanted to beat Trinity. And so um, we went in that. We ran for 4,400 yards that year. And we had 94 rushing touchdowns. You know, so uh, we threw 20 passes that season, I think. You know, so it was – 20. Um, yeah, yeah. So 20. It, was, it was – I mean, we were, just, we were running it like crazy. So – I think that I mean they bought in. We had we we had one kid um, that it took a little longer than we would have liked to get him to get him going, but he got over it. 
Right. right. So another transition you made was, you know, you switched schools. Of course, that's not always easy, but it doesn't always have to be difficult. What were some of the, you know, let's talk about what were some of the easiest things regarding that transition for you? I mean, it wasn't easy at all. Oh, well, not um, easy. Bad. It, but it was something that I was tormented about. So try to tell you this. I had probably got to the point after perking them love where I kind of started to look at other things anyway, right? And I had some options on the table um, in terms of working with some agencies. I had some different things that I had started to look at. And so when the I first had interviewed with 247 and like that, that, that situation first came up in probably February, right? And so right, right away, um, nothing had came of it. Like, so I thought it kind of passed me by. I, my intent, even back in February, was to work for 247 and, and not coach at Luther North in the fall anyway. So had I got the 247 situation happen then, I wouldn't have been coaching high school football this year at all, right? And so then from there, though, when the DeSmet job kind of came up, um, I hadn't heard from 247. And so we were kind of going through that process of going to dismiss. It was hard to leave them to go to another high school in the city. It would have been easier to just go to 247, right? Right. But when you were leaving and going and coaching at another high school in the city, and, uh, and especially walking away from what we have, because if I would have stayed at Luther North, we would have had the best team in the state this year, uh, bar none. Uh, we were loaded. We were returning everybody. Um, you know, Pride and Wells ended up going to Eastside. Um, Trinity closed. So we had pretty much the majority of their starters coming over. We were going to have a generational team. And so it was tough in itself to walk away from that. Um, but at the same time, it was time. That's a great way to, you know. So how do you like time. the other side it's though, so far, Carl? It was time. You say what? How do you like the other side, though? Because I remember, remember you were talking about your service you had, and I said, hey, hey, no. <laughs> I said, this is the Columbia Broadcasting System. You get the right words for the bag. Talk about college football, and people get to read it. You know, I actually went to school, you know, for broadcast journalism. Um, that's what I went to college for. So it was um, – I really enjoyed it. And I think it gives you a platform on a much bigger stage and it gives you a way to impact more people and kind of in the direction that I've been going through to in my career anyway. And then I have two more questions. One of them is the bliss period that we all take part in. Both of these are everybody. So look, fellas, we was talking about Trevon Diggs compared to uh, Patrick Certain. V... And Coach Reed, I want to hear y'all, especially, you know, tell me the differences. Well, obviously, we know the difference between the two, but one thing people keep screaming is the impact Trevon Diggs is having, but it's a lot easier to get an impact when the ball is coming your way as a corner compared to when, I'm not going to say he's locking down this side of the field, but he's just not getting attacked as much. Why do you think he's not getting attacked? 
the right I'm not gonna say he's not getting attacked at all. That's definitely not what I'm gonna say. But the the amount of balls being thrown his way compared to Diggs' way is I think it's it's because Diggs Diggs tries to follow number ones. I feel like that's a big part of it because Diggs wants that matchup, whether he's playing inside or outside. Sertain is kind of on his side. He does his thing. But, like, Diggs truly following guys is a little bit different. I think that's why they get targeted a little bit more. But I think the impact of, you know, Diggs it, – it, look, right now, defensive player of the year, seven picks, six games, whatever it is, you can't knock it. But I think that Sertain has been stickier in coverage. But – you still, like I said, it's hard to knock digs when there's there's the production. So you playing Sertain is not following the other team's best receiver. So not game in and game out. So you gotta you have to look at it from this standpoint, especially when you're talking about coverage and how people depend, how people uh, defend guys. So a lot of teams, when I was growing up, they put the number one corner on the number two receiver and they double number one. Right. Right. That's what Belichick they, does. Yeah, Belichick does that. They did that a lot uh, with Dion in the prime of his career. You know, he would guard number two, and they would double number one. You know, so I think that sometimes when you're talking about a guy following the number one receiver, I mean that's good when we when we're talking about matchups, but this not boxing, it's football. You know, right. yeah. I don't know if that always gives your team the best chance to win. You know, when you play like that, um, it's, a, it's a cool ego thing and it gets a corner a big contract, but it doesn't necessarily help you win um, football games. Football game. You know, so Absolutely. you always have to find out, you know, which way that is. So, so I think that um, I think that greatness sometimes, though, I think we take away from it and you just want to appreciate what both guys bring to the table and understand what their teams are asking them to do. Like you, no situation can be the same. Everybody runs a different scheme. Everybody's yeah. asking a guy to do something different. People used to say, "Well, Richard Sherman doesn't follow guys around the field." Well, Pete Carroll plays cover three. I mean, he plays all. He, you know, he plays cover three. So he's a cover three corner, and he excelled at being a cover three corner. If he was following number one receivers, then we, we might not even be talking about him. But now he's going to end up in the Hall of Fame because I remember people used to. Do you remember when people used to get, used to get on uh, on Marcus Peters about that? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> he told him production is at the ball. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's such a bar. Oh my god! And then y'all ready for the blitz period? Let's do it, Coach Reed. You know what blitz period is, right? Yeah, I know. I, I'm familiar with it. Let's get it. So Thursday, my guys. <clears throat> Cardinals Packers. Y'all, I'm not even gonna say who I got because y'all know the answer. Cardinals. Devontae Adams will not be playing. Who's at home? Devontae Adams not playing. Devontae Adams. Who was at home? Devontae Adams. Says start. Stay for in stadium, Trevor. Cardinals are at home. I'm gonna go with the Cardinals, man. Yeah. I'm going with the Cardinals. Shout out to you. Marcus Bowden, St. Louis, one of the great ones from St. Louis. Graduate of the University of Missouri, my guy, Marcus Golden. Um, my dog, 24. I think since we all had that, we, we cool. You know, check fade. We, nah. Um, <laughs> Bengals, Jets. Obviously, Bengals are going to go on a 6-2. Bengals football game. Bengals with another guy, Rennell Wren, St. Louis native. My dog. All right. Graduate of Lutheran North. 
five um, backup defensive tackle for the Bengals. He, he had a birthday yesterday. Um, shout out to shout out to Renee Great family right there. Absolutely, one of the greats. Titans versus Colts at Lucas Oil Stadium. We know this is usually a good bump. Who won the first matchup? That's gonna be a matchup in the trenches for the ages. I'm gonna go, I'm, I'm go with the Titans. I just think that Derrick Henry is playing at an all-time great level right now, and in, until I see somebody stop him, I'm gonna roll with the Titans. I'm gonna roll with the Colts this one. I'm gonna go with the Colts on this one. I'm gonna also go with the Titans. Uh, we've seen the Colts inconsistencies, and I think they actually fall perfectly to what the Titans are good at. Uh, Rams, Texas. Uh, Rams. Rams. <laughs> Trev talking about some uh, Rams. Uh. <laughs> Coach Reed going Rams. Is Deshaun Watson playing? <laughs> I think he he I think he injured or something like that. Some man. All right. He, he in the G League, you feel me? Deshaun is not playing this week. I'm gonna go with the <laughs> Steelers at Browns. Oh, this is kind of it's Browns. Yeah, the Browns. Yeah, I, no, I don't think Baker Mayfield is playing, is he? I'm gonna I roll with the culture this week. Mike I don't know. I'm rolling with Big Mike. Okay, we'll go. Okay, I'm gonna change. I'm gonna go Steelers. No, you know you can't change it. I'm gonna go. Steelers. Need, hey, Coach Reed, who you got? Steelers ten three. Steelers. Oh, you, you got Steelers, in the, and you said that Baker Mayfield is not playing. I, I believe he is not. Oh, I'm Steelers. Yeah, Steelers for sure. Eagles, Lions. So the Lions looking for their first win. The Eagles are extremely beatable, and they going to Ford Field. I think my, well, last time I checked, Miles Sanders was out with a bad ankle. It's not like they freaking running it anyway. I'm gonna go with the Detroit Lions. I want, I want to see uh, something good happen for the Lions. Um, I think that uh, if they can win any game, I think it's this one. Trev, who you got? I'm gonna roll with Detroit. Who's number fourteen is on that squad, and them boys play hard. They might be the team. They probably the hardest playing team in the league, bro. I'm gonna roll with Detroit this week, man. I'm gonna go with Detroit. Shut up, Anaisu, Morgan's finest. As well, 49ers Bears. This is a slug fest. 49ers. Ed Soldier Field. I'm gonna go with the 49ers. I'm actually gonna go with the Bears. You don't, believe that. you don't believe that. Panthers Falcons. You don't believe that. Oh my that. god, this you don't is believe a bad that. Game. Yes, I do, bro. The Falcons. Packers, you say Packers and the Falcons? Panthers and the Falcons? Panthers and the Falcons? Yep. Um, Kyle Pitts is playing at such a high level right now. Right? For the Falcons. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with the Falcons. The Panthers are uh, pedestrian offensively. Um and is, is there any timetable on Caffrey's return? Not to my knowledge. I know it's not this game, though. All right. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Falcons. As well. Mm. I think we are. Trev, you still you yeah. believe in a semi I'm going to go with Atlanta. I'm going to go with Atlanta because I think Atlanta is playing really well right now. So that's what I'm going to do. JT, Jared Taylor. Yeah. 
Yes, sir. A few more games. Let's slide. Dolphins, Bills. 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 Bills by 14. Y'all don't believe in Tua? Not against the Bills, nope. We'll try again next week. I'm going to go with the Bills. He got your Davis White on the other side of that. Patriots, Chargers. Chargers. That's a game. I'm hurting. And so far. Yep. I'm going with New England. Ooh. Chargers. Trev, who you got? I'm going to go with the Chargers, but I'm cheering for the New England Patriots. I'm going Chargers as well. Jaguar, Seahawks. (laughs) Seattle. Uh, Seattle, man. Seahawks. Seattle. Seattle. Washington football team and the Broncos. This is nasty. Broncos might win that game. Washington yes, it's at Mile High as well. Never mind, Broncos. Nope, nope, nope. Broncos. <laughs> Trev, who you got? I'm actually excited to see uh, Sertain against McLaurin, though, for sure. Buccaneers, Saints. Is, is he going to be messed up with him, though, Nick? I'm sure it will happen organically. Buccaneers, Saints, Buccaneers. Bucks. Give me TB12. He going to make a nice video. That he going to play free dog, but he'll be a young boy. Buccaneers, Cowboys, Vikings at U.S. Bank. The Dallas Cowboys, America's team. Give How about the Cowboys? Cowboys? Dallas's team. So, they're th- th- your Super Bowl favorite, Corey? The Cowboys are going to win the Super Bowl this year. Wow. That's wow. Oh, my. My man already learning how he already mastering this media stuff, man. Cowboys, the Dallas Cowboys are going to win the Super Bowl. Shout out to St. Louis legend. Ezekiel Elliott, the Dallas Cowboy, America's team. I, there's your answer. He is a Cowboys fan, in case y'all didn't pick that up. <laughs> v, who you got? Cowboys, Vikings. Cowboys. Trev, you said Cowboys too? How about them Cowboys, Jared? All right. Last game, Monday Night Football, Giants and the Chiefs. Chiefs. I really would hate – I never thought I'd say, man, this is nasty. 